This is Next Level, an Align Life Pro real life case study that follows the queen of coaching, Kristen Tabbert, and New York Times bestselling author, Michael Linton, as they guide me, Mike Gandolfo, a small business owner, on a journey to triple my business. We invite you to join us so that we can all learn to become better leaders that know how to work on their business and not just in their business. All right, hello everybody and happy 2022. This is Mike Andolfo and you are listening to the Aligned Life Pro Next Level where we are on a um, a path to triple the income of my business, my real estate business in Louisville, Kentucky. And I'm doing that with the help of New York Times bestselling author, Michael Lennington, who just released his next book, uh, his, his latest book, I guess. And we'll let him talk about that a little bit. And The Queen of Coaching, Kristen Tabbert. How Happy are you guys? Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Doing great. Happy New Year. So, uh, Michael, you want to talk a little bit about the new book real quick? Sure. I appreciate the opportunity. So Uncommon Accountability is um, a book about one of the fundamental principles of the 12-week year. So, you know, we, we kind of stay narrowly focused on our stuff, but accountability is, is a worthy, I think, of a book because it's, it's so foundational to success for everybody. And what we have found is that most of our clients especially the leaders misunderstand accountability. Um, when they, they seek to hold their team accountable, um, they approach it as if there's this consequence management process that is accountability. And it's really the opposite of accountability. Um, and what it ends up doing is, is creating the opposite of what they want to create. So we wrote the book to help people get a better understanding of what accountability is, and then help leaders to apply more of it. And one of the cool things is if you think about accountability, go to the dictionary and um, I went to the online dictionary when I, when I first started writing this book. It probably changed it now. But when I was looking at the book about a year and a half ago and reading the, uh, the online Merriam-Webster dictionary, I looked up accountability um, to see what they, what they thought it was. And there were like four examples, and I don't remember them. They're in the book. But um, each one of them was somebody dropping the ball. Some kind of negative thing happened, okay? Some kind of a, you know, the dog bit somebody kind of thing. And then the other part of it was there was generally somebody with authority, who was going to hold, quote unquote, hold the, the person accountable um, for what happened as if that person actually intended to fall short or fail, right? Most of us fail. We don't necessarily intend to fail. In fact, I think it's rare that we intend to fail. So, so this, whole, this whole process of somebody with power holding somebody with less power accountable, and then it ties into negative punishment. All four examples were punishing somebody um, for their failed performance. So somebody with power taking somebody without power and, and, and punish him. And so that's really something that's unpleasant. I mean, I, I don't know many people that sign up for punishment. I mean, I know there's some, but the, the people of this podcast, I guess, but you know, yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> in this podcast is in that group, but um, you know, it's, it's like everybody thinks accountability is foundational to high performance, but yet when they think about accountability, who wants to be punished, right? So we really wanted to clear the air a little bit on what accountability really was. And, and at the end of the day, accountability in our view is, is your personal ownership of your choices and your actions. And that's all you really control, but that's all you need. And you know, when you think about how you contribute to the results you experience in life, then you're able to change those things. And it gives you a lot of power. You take your power back in a sense. So Kristen, when I heard that, um, Michael was talking about you know, a person of higher power holding someone of lesser power kind of responsible or, you know, that's how the, the typical definition comes along. And we saw that early on in the process with my team. I mean, that was basically the first hurdle we had to overcome was by getting us. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about how you did that with our group. 
So the very first meeting was, why do I have to do this? Someone in power is saying, you are going to do this. If you don't, there's going to be consequences. That's what they heard. None of us said that in the least. Actually, we said the exact opposite of that. So we had to create that clarity around your assumptions, your thinking bias. Here's what it is. You don't have to be here. You don't have to do any of this. And you know, you- some of those assumptions, Kristen, Hold on. No, go ahead. Uh, Some of those those assumptions, though, might have been because Mike was holding that little miniature Louisville slugger in his hand and slapping it. (laughs) So I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, Absolutely not, by the way. Just sorry. It kind of stems from some, some historical bias that we have in our lives, some thinking biases. And as we kind of unpeeled some, unpeeled, we peeled back some of the layers of that onion and we started to question why you're thinking this way, why you feel this way. You know, one of your agents said, you know, you're wanting me to track this stuff. This is what I did in my old agency. Made me want to throw up every time I saw this spreadsheet because it either meant I got more leads or it meant my leads were going to be taken away from me. You know, carrot and stick kind of scenario. Um, And when we started talking about the ownership of you don't have to do any of this, you have choice, you get to choose what you want to do, that spreadsheet, which was almost the exact same spreadsheet from a different broker with negative consequences attached to it, became an empowerment tool for this, this agent. And when he said that out loud, heads started nodding in the room and you could, you could, it was a almost a tangible thinking shift you could feel. And that's why we also talk, when we talk about the WAM groups, we talk about them being peer groups and not necessarily driven by the leader of an organization, but they should be peer groups. And that was another big piece. Like we took ourselves, my my wife and I, and and the person who runs the Danville office, we took ourselves out of those WAM groups and made it just the peers. I think that was another big piece. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is I think there's a leadership part of that too, Mike. And, and so as a leader, you know, one of the things you're doing is you're not, you're not in that meeting because it kind of creates that, you know, boss employee relationship mindset. But what else have you done? I was just curious. I didn't want to cut you off, Kristen, but I was going to ask, what, what have you done from a leadership perspective, you and Christy, other than just that, to really foster this, this, this mindset of, of ownership versus consequences? Uh, now it's, I think, really kind of leading by example. You know, I want to make sure that they see us executing on our 12-week plan that we're working towards the same goal and that they uh, that they know we're invested uh, i'll tell you right now jackie uh and again for people who are new to the show jackie is the person who's kind of my right hand um she's not my admin assistant she actually runs our marketing but she is like on fire like she's after it she wants to get after it big time and yeah chris and i are planning on stealing her <laughs> I was, get out of my head i was just gonna say that we're gonna we're gonna start courting her <laughs> You better not. We will not be friends anymore. So then uh, anyway, she is uh, she's just incredible and she's been setting the tone and just making sure that the culture fits and that we're that we're reinforcing the messages and that we're keeping the goal in front of everybody. Um, And then we're our big thing this year from the leadership team is to acknowledge and to celebrate. And that's going to be a big piece for us this year, too. I want to add to this. I want to I want to put this in the spotlight here, too. It's even even more powerfully than what you're doing. That's kind of the tactical stuff that you've decided on and you're doing. I think a thinking shift that came online for you guys is you've always dabbled with who's the visionary, who's the integrator in EOS terms. And you and Chrissy have intertwined roles a lot. Um, 
you haven't completely let go of stuff and, and came in and did day-to-day stuff and vice versa. Chrissy would vision a little bit, but then she's more comfortable in that, that worker bee role. And you guys got real clarity on your leadership roles. Leadership is not just one path. There are different paths that leadership individual leaders have to walk on to help get to that that end goal line. And I think you guys have gotten real clarity around that and you're walking on that path. I, I think you're so right, Kristen. And, and that kind of um, is, is a great point because when you install a different way of thinking and behaving, you're changing your culture. Right. And so you've got you've got this culture of execution you're building, Mike, and, and your roles have changed. You and Chrissy's roles have changed and the roles of the employees. They've taken greater ownership and they've stepped up. And, you know, it's not just employees. I mean, it's your team. I shouldn't use the word employees as such. But that that's a powerful piece of execution that most people don't see. It's such a it's such a change in the culture and it's a positive change. From a coach's perspective, having both you guys in the room and getting both your perspectives is incredibly powerful. It helps me to ask the right questions. Um, so all that's been really good. And I feel like, you know, to transition a little bit into kind of where we're going to go with the show. And uh, this is our only episode we're going to release in January. We're going to come back full force. You're going to hear from us every week in February. We'll be back on our normal schedule after our little uh, break, a little hiatus. Um, we finished the year fairly well. Um, we, we noticed though, that there's still the struggle, I guess, of having the, of the agents having the emotional connection to their goal. So we really focused on before this 12 week year and the prep, the prep week that we had, we came back from Christmas or new year's, uh, and had a little prep week. And then week one of our 12 week year actually started on January 10th and, uh, just really wanted to make sure that everyone understood about how important it was to have this emotional connection. We spent two days really kind of going down that and two different hour and a half sessions and uh, making sure that people were able to take the little things that they do on a daily basis and equate that to make them progress towards what their life well-lived vision was uh, to kind of have that emotional connection. A really tangible data point with all that is their first week out, I didn't even get to be in a wham with them. We were gone. We were at the Georgia. Oh, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about everybody where yeah. we were. Yeah. Um, so the team members all stepped up in their WAM group and, and facilitated. It was it was amazing. Um, so they're taking ownership and they're running with it, even when their facilitator or their their guidance counselor is is gone. They're still taking action. Guidance counselor. You know, it's funny you said that, Kristen, because. I'm because we haven't had these conversations for about a month and a half. I'm trying to jump into some, you know, let's talk about the, the details and the mechanics. We'll get to that later, but this isn't, that's not the purpose of this call, but I'm like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's do that. And it's, it's very tempting to jump into that role right now. Cause I missed you guys. It's been, this has been fun. The, well, we got seven. to kind of kick it off. Kristen alluded to it. We got to kick it off this week by going to Georgia. To, well, we went to Florida to present to the Georgia association. Where'd you Realtors. go? Okay. I went to Florida to speak to the Georgia Association okay. of Realtors. All three of us did. You got to go to. You remember? I kind of, I know. No, I forgot. I'm too old to remember those things. It's been three days. So, uh, you know, had a really nice couple days down there. And um, what, what was your all's big takeaways? Michael, what was your big takeaway just from working with that group of uh, of realtors for a little bit? Um, you know, I, I it's something I've taken away in other sessions when I've been around realtors. But, but there's just an energy and there's a... Um, a, a, almost, I, you know, this is going to sound weird, but there's, there's this like pleasurable 
sense of being around those guys because they, they're focused, they're learning, they're learners, they want to get better. They're coming up and talking to you after the session to figure out how they can use what we just talked about. And it's just, it's great. I've been to crowds where you kind of do a presentation and they walk out and, you know, it's like, oh, what did they even, you know, hear what I said? So, so I, I got to tell you the culture for that, for that group is really great. Uh, Kristen, what, you, what about you? The culture, the culture is just amazing. You know, they're, they're very growth minded people, very focused on, on their goals. And it makes me want to be even better. So yeah. when we, when we, uh, when we got there, we actually followed up the lady from, uh, who was from the Disney Institute chain of ex excellence. And Michael started off his presentation with us in a very, very profound and great way, because she basically came with all these great, just kind of, I mean, her, her speech was fantastic. Her right. presentation was fantastic, but it was, you know, it was all at the um, great idea level, great idea level. And Michael, what did you say to kind of start our whole presentation? That everything that she said was worthless. And then I let it sit for a while. Yeah. Audible gasp. In I don't know if you guys heard that. There was like, what? There what? were people laughing because they knew it was a joke, but. Because yeah. all that takes, all that stuff matters. What? What do you got to be able to do? It's worthless unless you execute, unless, unless you implement. Yeah. It. And we got to have a plan to execute. Right. 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 So I mean, it was a little bit, and so I felt like our two sessions really fit well together. Um, and I and I hope a lot of people got a lot out of it. So, uh, you know, Kristen had some really positive one-on-one -on -one interactions after we presented and all that kind of stuff. So, I had people stopping me at the bar, and so I think it was well received. They yeah, were stopping you from doing what at the bar? I was trying to go to the bathroom. I've been okay. drinking so much freaking water. That <laughs> I was just trying to go to the bathroom. Okay. Yeah. I just wonder what you were doing at the bar. People were trying to stop. But okay. Got it. So uh, my 12-week year, Kristen, right off the bat, I have three 12-week goals. We were uh, – and I'll, I'll share them. So we use a pipeline score. Uh, so the, the, the office – the whole we have a whole team goal of having a, an, an office or a company 70 um, – a company pipeline score in excess of 70% by April 2nd. That's when our 12 week year ends, which is a great time for our 12 week year to end because it is right before we go on spring break. Go ahead. And you talk about that pipeline score being at 70%. What yeah. is that 70% that we're measuring in that pipeline score? What's the definition of things that go in that pipeline? Yeah. So basically we're looking at obviously anything that's closed years to date, which of course we're midway through January. So there's not a lot there. Um, anything that's under contract, which is heading towards the closing table, anything, anytime we're working with an active buyer or active seller. So um, we, and we give a, um, we, we basically multiply those things by a percentage of their likeliness to close. So like, obviously the things that have closed very close, it's, it's a one. We give a one to all the people who are under contract. We don't have a lot of things that go under contract that don't close. And if it falls apart, then usually they're going to just end up closing on something else. It's not like we, would have a closing not work out and then that thing not close at all. That's kind of unusual. So we give them a one. Um, our active buyers and sellers, we did a 0.9, which is actually probably pretty low because I would say that it's even rare that if we start working with someone that they don't close, but uh, we'll give a little wiggle room there. Um, and then we start looking at our potentials. The, the people that are in our database or in our, uh, that have expressed to us that they're interested in working with us this year or down the road, um, and we basically look at them as either being someone who's very likely to close this year, you know, maybe it's someone who says, hey, I'm going to have some sort of life event in the fall 
and we need to think about putting the house on the market in in the summer. So, all right, mm-hmm. well, they're going to close this year. So that's someone that we would give a, a point. We would multiply by, we get a, all that number of people, multiply that one out by 0.75. Then there's these kind of people that were kind of 50, 50 on whether or not it's going to, they're going to do something. So obviously we multiply them by 0.5. And then there's the ones that are less likely to close this year that we kind of put a, a multiplier of, of, of a, 0.25 and those are the kind of people that are like hey if the perfect thing came up i might be interested or if, if you come across this or i'm looking you know they're 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 out there but they're not they haven't really taken the steps to be more and more serious so we multiply all those out and we add them together and basically whatever number we come up with is this is the number of closings that we would anticipate happening in 2022 if we did no more lead generation and then we can take that and um, and divide it by our goal, and then we get our percentage basically of how close are we to our goal. Present a goal. One of the things that um, I just I, I that that's a great thing because you got a pipeline in there, Mike, and it's really it's really helpful to kind of think through what all the activities are turning into in terms of, of potential closes, and that's really powerful. I would add one thing though to folks who are listening, when possible, because a pipeline you've got to do the mathematics behind it. But when possible, it's really great if you could have percentages kind of not be part of the of the of the goal, just because people have to do the mental mathematics. But you've got this whole pipeline, Mike, that you've got to do. So in your case, that it makes the most sense to do it that way. But in general, I like to have just a you know a clear number that people can say, okay, you know, we our goal is 100 and we're at 90 or something like that. But it's it's and difficult to do that with your complexity. Point. But what, what this has done, and I said, but, and I should say, and, and what it's done is it's created such real clarity for your agents about what goes in, in what bucket, at what percentage, because we all have great conversations with people, right? So I had this really great conversation with people that felt really good in the moment, but I know, I know in my gut, I walk away, they're not going to do anything. They're never going to have another conversation with me again, but I put it in my pipeline at 90% because it felt so wonderful, that conversation. So this creates clarity and it creates reality. Yeah. Yeah, I think think that at the same time for us, it also helps uh, drive some of the activities because you're, you know, we have to be so intentional because of what you said, Michael, about keeping where we are in the score um, in front of everybody week by week. So like we'll report on uh, next at the beginning of next week, like where the first score really is. And, and then keeping that in front of people and, and then they get to understand the activities that they got to do in their weekly plan to up that score. So if we just focused on closings, for example, well, there's not a lot you're going to do in this week. That's going to impact a closing and might not even to impact a closing 12 weeks from now. Right. But there's a whole lot we can do to kind of up that pipeline score. But I totally agree with you. I mean, that's why I feel like uh, the second goal that I'm going after is a health goal. And I'm going to try. No, I will. I am. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I am losing 40 pounds in 12 weeks. I'm off to a great start. There's, there's a very clear number. I got very clear tactics. And um, I was because of that. I mean, I had several opportunities while we were in florida to kick my plan to the curb and you all tempted we, me over and over we and over tempted again. you man we were looking to tempt you and get you to do something well you know we're friends so we always do that kind of stuff yeah right? yeah yeah, well, yeah. In thanks particular, i didn't do it on purpose it was just well i did you got 
we went and got four drinks. There were four of us. We were celebrating and we know what you like. And I just grabbed one and then went, oh, Mike, sorry. Well, honestly, though, I mean, I, I had the calories in, in uh, available and uh, it worked out. So um, I so we left and we spent three days away two of those days being travel days. And that's when you have to, you know, depend on airports and whatever else. I made sure I had healthy snacks with me and things to go through. And I hit, you know, I hit all my Apple fitness goals. I hit all that stuff. And I lost three pounds while we were in Jacksonville. Yeah. You, 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 do we want to share the nickname we came up with for Mike? Oh yes. Yes. So moving into 2022, <laughs> he has no say so in this. So wrapping up a really great day, celebrating all together around, you know, the fire pit on the beach and just, just having great conversations with, with some people around us. And this gentleman looks over at Michael Boomer and says, you know who he looks like pointing to Mike Gandolfo? And he goes, rip. And we all just eyes got big. Yes, you look like the guy from Yellowstone. You it look is, like rip. So once you see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee, can't unsee it. it. Yeah. So now it is Rip Boomer and Queenie. Uh, I guess <laughs> there it is. So I think he, Rip should be named after me. That he needs to have people go up to him and say, "Hey, you look a lot like Mike Gandolfo. Do you know that yeah. is going to be a lot of fun?" And then the business that can happen. <laughs> the and then you know part of that weight loss goal and that health goal is to have more energy and stamina because I want to do more stuff like what we did in Georgia. You know, I want to yeah. be able to go and have, uh, I don't want to be away from the family, you know, for weeks and weeks at a time. But if we did um, some of them sprinkle throughout the year, I'd be very happy with that. Then I want to have the stamina to do that because I was wiped out after the presenting day and the travel day on Friday. I, I got all my stuff done for the most part, but I was tired. You know, yeah. I was wiped out. Well, I don't know about you. And, and I, Michael, you do this a lot, so, but I don't know how it physically impacts you. But for me, my conversations are all one-on-one. -on -one. That's my engagement with people. That's where I really am the most comfortable and I really want to dig in. So up until a few weeks ago, you know, I'd never talked in a, in front of a large group of people. And then, um, we walked in that room. My, my thinking was, we were going to be talking in a smaller room, smaller group of people, more breakout. I don't know where I missed the memo that said we were going to be on the main stage in the afternoon. And when you it should you have said, been in the check that they wrote us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you said, no, we're in here with, with these 500 people on that stage up there, I panicked. I was like, I've never done this. I can't do this thinking bias, all these assumptions, all these things. We got started and I looked at Michael, you know, as we were getting ready to go up on stage and I said, I will do this. This will be good. We will get through this. And I never want to do this again, ever. And we walked off the stage and I looked at him and I said, I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. She started giving me pointers about how to present. <laughs> I did not. I did not. It was interesting though, because throughout our time uh, in Florida, we actually had, I felt like opportunities to, to shine in our where we're probably the most comfortable. Michael was definitely the most comfortable on stage um, and, and being there and being able to present. And I was able to be, we, we had a lunch the day before with some, um, some real estate peers that we know through a, another group. And um, Wasn't what, it was a big group. Lunch. We had like 24. And then that was, that's kind of my, like, that's my wheelhouse. And I feel like that's where I probably shined. And, 
And then Kristen had some just, I mean, Kristen had some incredible one-on-ones with people. I mean, one lady left crying and, you know, and all this other stuff. And, you know, so, and, and, in a good way, like Kristen gate had break these one-on-one where they had breakthroughs. It's just incredible. So it was, it was fun to do it that way. And I think we all, I mean, you did a great job on stage, Kristen. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, it. I, you guys both did better than me because I'm so used to being the presenter that that's the mode I was in for most of it. And that's not the mode really we should have been in for some of it because it was, it was a lot of dialogue like one of these conversations now. After action review, we had a plan, we executed. After action review, where can we get better? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then my final goal is I'm trying to apply the pipeline score. I, I am applying the pipeline score to my uh, recruiting goal. And so I want to have a... Um, the goal is in 2022 is to have eight new agents. So we will have um, a 70% pipeline score in the recruiting, which means I have to build the database, which is tough. Now we're off to a good start. We've had two um, agents that are brand new recently passed the test. So my, I'm really trying to get my uh, tactics to focus more on experienced agents. And, and getting out there and, and finding some people that can kind of come in that don't start from, uh, even though that's my favorite person to work with is the, is the brand new agent. It, you know, we need to have some experienced agents in here as well. So can I share a quick idea, Mike? Sure. I'm all ears. Uh, I just, as you were talking about recruiting, uh, and I don't know if this would be true for, for, um, realtors, but, um, did you notice how I said it correctly that time? Realtors. Yes. He on stage said realtor. Yeah. But you know, no I'm a boomer. I'm a All right. What are you going to say? Any, anyway. So the um, point is we had a client uh, a number of years ago, Brian, and I had a client who, uh, who they um, decided to use the, the, the plans that they developed for advisors, the first 12 weeks of an advisor's life in the recruiting process. So yeah. the first 90 days for, for, for a financial advisor are critical, right? So they, they printed these plans and, and they showed the, the candidates what they'd be doing. What they found is that people that didn't want to do that stuff said no. And the people that say, oh, I, I got a plan. I can, I can see myself doing that. I know I could be successful if I do that stuff. So they actually got better percentages of, of the right recruits by showing them that 12. So, you know, I would, I would share, here's, here's what your first 12 weeks, uh, this is what your first 12 weeks can look like. And I think, I think you might find that they gravitate to that. And I think that's a great idea, especially the first 12 weeks, we, we've taken them through a, 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 a program, a, a kickstart program anyway. And uh, I'd like to have it almost for the first 12 weeks and the second 12 weeks and then kind of tell, talk to them about how we use those to help them so that they, their next 12 weeks, they can kind of start getting some sea legs and doing it on their own, you know? Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I love that idea. Well, and that coincides pretty nicely. If you did hundred days to greatness with their first 12 week plan, you know, those are, those are really easy foundational tactics to really like start launching themselves from. So absolutely all those problems in this podcast, actually, we probably ought to think about winding it up. I think so. So February, we'll be back. We'll be um, reporting on the first month so far. We'll be talking about what's going to happen in February and start kind of picking out probably the coach is going to pick out a theme for me to focus on, I guess, or for the the show to focus on in February. And, And Kristen, you've already done it, right? So February... What'd you call Feb- February? Failure February. Failure February. So um, the Tuesday before we are going to have Taco Tuesday at the office, by the way, because it's 
Kaya's birthday and she loves tacos and we've got a, an all office event that day. So we're having the taco truck come back. So we'll have taco Tuesday leading us into failure February. There we go. The reason I'm calling it failure February is because we'll turn it into a positive. I promise by the end of the month, you guys will be rocking and rolling, but we, you know, all the fresh start dates, all the optimism that those are good things. They're really good external triggers to really get some things, but those new year's resolutions, all those things that happen in January, they're falling off the wagon. Most people are failing at their plan when February starts to roll around. So we're going to have, February or failure, February, but it's going to turn into, I don't know. What do we want to call March? What's, what's a really good positive March madness. No March madness. I like that. (laughs) Um, something really powerful for March. I'll come up with an adjective and we'll figure it out, but, um, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to make February fail. We're actually going to make it an amazing February. And then general idea too, like if you are in February and you, you starting to slide on your new year's intentions then, you know, maybe it's a good time to listen to the show and kind of get refocused on what you can do in the next 12 weeks. Welcome until, back. Until then, uh, we will, uh, we will, we hope that you guys are extremely productive and executing at a high level. Go ahead. Kristen. One last thing. Yeah. This is season three for us guys. Yeah. Wow. We haven't yeah, canceled yeah, yeah. yet. Wow. I have not been canceled yet. So, uh, I mean, we're going on like a year and a year and Almost, we've only, we're got year in like nine months or something like that. It's hard yeah. to believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's been up there. All right. Well, I hope everyone has a great rest of the January and we'll see you all in February. Take care. Bye.